0: Welcome to Factor Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community and policy makers to hear their stories and views on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. Well, the end of the year is here, and for many this is a time where you set your out of office and check out to the beach for two or three weeks. For many farmers, this is a busy time of year trying to juggle family needs during the festive season as well as keeping the wheels turning on the farm. I want to personally thank New Zealand farmers for their continued efforts in keeping this country afloat. This week I have parts of two interviews from earlier in the year. I enjoy every interview that I do and these two were no exception. They also focus on areas of policy in the farming sector that for me... Are right up there in terms of the challenges facing New Zealand farmers. Recognition of on-farm sequestration is one, and the out-of-control ETS, and specifically carbon forests, is another. Dr Adam Forbes is an academic and a leader in his field.
1: Uh, well, I'm principally a forest ecologist, uh, specialised in native forestry, uh, but also um, native afforestation, uh, forest restoration. So um I'm a consultant. I give advice on native afforestation to people like farmers, um, EW groups. Um, yeah, so that's that's
0: what mm. I do. Fantastic. Um today we're talking about on farm sequestration. I'm just gonna get straight into this. How can we accurately count net emissions on farm if sequestration is not accurately measured?
1: Yeah, well I guess that is a uh, concern. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would you would need to understand what's being sequestered on a farm to understand the net position. So I can't really suggest how else that could be done.
0: So essentially, you are saying that if we can't measure on-farm sequestration, then it's essentially impossible to measure or have a net on-farm emission value.
1: Yeah, well, that makes sense to me. I think there's a it's quite a logical situation, really, to understand what the um, the net position is for any given farm um, surely that is the it's the product of um, emissions and sequestration so if you only have if you don't have part of that equation then I don't know how you derive it in a, a net position
0: So do you have any thoughts around why the climate change commission would be suggesting against trying to understand what total on farm sequestration is
1: No I'm sorry I don't I can't really comment I'm not sure what what the what the reasoning would be for that Angus I'm sorry.
0: Um, The Climate Change Commission also has said that it could reduce the incentive or the incentives for farmers to reduce their emissions by including vegetation and non-ETS sequestration into the farm level pricing system. Another question is, and have you got any thoughts around this, do we actually want to understand true net on farm emissions or is this simply adding a new tax for farmers? It's quite hard to understand the reasoning behind some of these things when, like you say, there's some very obvious answers needing two equations to get an answer.
1: Yeah, look, um, I mean, it's possibly a little bit outside of my area, but, um, you know, one thing I would say is that um, understanding um, sequestration and vegetation, particularly native vegetation on farms... You know, it's a major incentive for people to be um, improving management of native forests and regenerating forests. So that's really how I, the main thing I can see is it's a major opportunity to encourage and incentivize people to be managing native vegetation.
0: Where's the incentive for big emitters to reduce their emissions if they can just buy land and plant trees and offset at seemingly no limits to that?
1: Yeah, well, that's the big trap we don't want to fall into is people offsetting their way out of and, and carrying on and not changing their behaviors. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's a potential problem that, um, we need to be very aware of. And I guess, um, yeah, I just think that we, you know, that the, the um, carbon sinking is, is not really the solution to the answer. It's about behaviour change and changing the way we do things so that we're not um, causing the issues in the first place.
0: Do you believe that there is significant change that farmers can make in their processes to essentially achieve what's been asked of them?
1: Um, do you mean in terms of um, accounting for carbon sequestration, I guess
0: The sequestration is one thing, because to me, the whole thing seems to be a mute point if we're not going to recognise sequestration in its total form, or to make an attempt at calculating that. What are we doing all this for?
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I agree. I think that... Um, but on-farm sequestration um, is a major opportunity for landowners to be incentivised for looking after their forests and their vegetation and their land and managing it so that there's biomass being stored. Um, I think that doing it at a farm level is really important because that's where the decisions are made. Um, and I, I actually think that um, for forest health, um, carbon is the wrong tool. I think it should be an ecosystem-based incentive that's available to people. I think that will derive better outcomes. But at the moment, we've got the ETS, um, and that's the main um, tool that we could use to incentivise people to store biomass and vegetation on their farms. So I think um, it needs to be used to its best potential for that purpose.
0: But vegetation is currently excluded, isn't it?
1: Well, vegetation, of a certain. of Older vegetation is, yes, um, that's right. So uh, the focus for the ETS is around additionality um, and achieving um, carbon storage and vegetation that wouldn't have occurred um, without the ETS. So that's why there's a line in the sand at uh, 1990 um, where... Uh, it's the more recent um, forest since 1990, which is potentially eligible for registration.
0: Have you got in mind what a fair and equitable system might look like?
1: Well, I think this is actually a really important point, Angus. Um, to my mind, um, what's fair is for people um, to be rewarded for the actual carbon they sequester and vegetation. So, you know, I think... Um, If if native forests aren't actually um, big uh, sequesters of carbon, then I don't believe that actually they should be made out to be in a a sort of system like this. I think we can't afford to um, misrepresent uh, the ability of different things to act to address climate change. We have to be realistic and honest about it. So I think... um, there, And that really leads me to my point around, I don't think that carbon is the best tool to be um, incentivizing native forest management with, because it's just a sort of a one-dimensional thing, unfortunately. Um, you know, if there was an incentive that was more holistic and rewarded um, ecological integrity, ecological health, um, resilience, these sorts of things, well, I think that would lead to much more balanced outcomes. Um, but like I say, we have the ETS at the moment, and that's sort of a, tall, sort of a square sort and a round hole to my mind in terms of um, an incentive for native reforestation. but it's what we currently have, and uh, the trick is to make it fair and equitable.
0: If our overall emissions are based up of 50% uh, from agriculture and Let's take another nation whose total agriculture emissions might only be 5 or, or 10% just based on their business activity or how their economy's broken up. How do we get to a point where we have to actually say, well, do we just stop farming as a nation and do we just return the entire farmland back into native forest or even into exotic forestry and just simply farm carbon and the balance return to native vegetation? Do you think we should just stop farming in this country?
1: Um, no, I don't think. I think it's a bit radical. Um, I think that um, I think that we just need to find more balanced ways of of doing things, and we need to address as best we can sources of emissions in farming and agriculture is one of those sources. Um, so I think that um, we need to be looking seriously at it at agriculture and farming and making as many moves as we can to reasonably reduce emissions and also, um, on the positive side of the ledger, thinking about um, opportunities on those lands for sequestration because, let's face it, um, agricultural land is really, it represents most of where we can potentially sequester carbon. So that, that it's a dual um, opportunity, really, I think. Mm.
0: Um, Are you able to expand a bit on what those opportunities might be?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I think that um, it's variable spatially across the country in terms of what the potential for sequestration of carbon and vegetation. And largely it's driven by um, soil moisture and by air temperature. Um, So in those warmer, uh, wetter parts of the country, um, we can have 12-month growth seasons in forest flora and it's those areas that um we have rapid growth and a big ability to sequester carbon um other areas say Mackenzie basin is an extreme example or parts Mm. of marlborough um really not the best places in my view to be trying to sequester carbon due because of such slow growth rates even of exotic trees um so things like um looking at farming systems identifying land areas in those systems like um Uh, steep areas, erodible areas, um, south-facing sites, um, and really thinking carefully about the value in continuing farming versus um, using those areas for afforestation and, in my view, particularly native afforestation. um, uh, That's a key one, really. Um, So Mm -hmm. thinking really about what the land lends itself to at all scales, nationally and regionally, and at the farm scale, and um, making some critical decisions about what the best land use is um, for those areas.
0: Do you think we have to be careful around exotic forestry? Do you see any concerns about where things are currently tracking in that area?
1: Um, yeah, I'm very concerned about what's happening with um, particularly large scale establishment of conifer plantations. My concern is permanence. You know, and if, if these forests aren't indeed permanent, then we will have achieved nothing and over the course of several generations of people and we would have just created big issues out there for people to clean up. So it's all very, it's, it's just too easy, I think, to run away with some of these ideas and, um, and bite off too much It's and and like I say I think we just have to have permanent forests if we're talking about carbon sequestration because these forests are essentially a reservoir in the carbon cycle and if, if they're not permanent well like I say, we've achieved very little.
0: Mm. Are you able to expand a bit further for some of the listeners out there on what some of those issues you see in the future on the current track that we're on that may eventuate?
1: Uh, a lack of regeneration. If, um, uh, if the you know this concept of planting a nurse crop the, on the basis that there'll be regeneration and canopy recruitment and replacement um, you know that requires a number of things, it requires the ability of, for regeneration so like I, was, I was mentioned about climate and so on you have to be in the right place, there's um, uh, deer and goats and pigs and possums out there which are a problem everyone has but not no one can really address on their own um, mm. and that needs to be taken responsibility for so you do actually have regeneration um, I mean, with climate change, we're potentially heading into a uh, different fire regime in our landscapes. So, um, we need to think about the flammability of vegetation. And if there's large areas of highly flammable vegetation, um, that is presents a problem, a potential greater risk for communities and, um, for the environment. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: yeah. So I just think, um, also, you know, what, what are these forests actually going to be left non-harvested, or might they be harvested in the future? And um, you know, for uh, revenue, um, that's that's a concern as well. So we need to make sure that they aren't actually um, taken taken for um, cashed in as a harvest later on. Um, yeah, so there's a few factors there.
0: And what about the social element forestation can have on rural communities, particularly? I can't see much upside to rural communities from a social aspect.
1: Um, yeah, look, I, I do think about that. Like, I'm not an expert in social science or this sort of thing, but um, you know, I think there are um we need to find ways where afforestation um is complementary to society and it's not a trade-off with economy and society. So, you know, there's parts of the world um, where um, there's a forest landscape restoration movement where uh, forests are restored, um, and but they're seen as uh, so really closely dovetailed with farming operations and society in general. So you step around many of the tensions that can arise. Um, so I think that, like, um exotic conifer plantations established at scale i'm sure there will be social problems there because um you know people are potentially displaced there's probably not a lot of work involved all these um, reasons that have been given by others uh, probably many times but i do think that with native reforestation, there's opportunities for um, for jobs for pest control um you know i think I think this idea of restoration ranges where um, locals are trained in forest management and understanding um, what needs to be done for forests and implementing that pest control enrichment planting um, or, uh, many there can be many things that if the market's right and uh, things are set up correctly people can actually be engaged quite actively in native air forestation.
0: So what is the view of a farmer on some of these issues? Farmer Emma Crutchley from Central Otago also joined me to discuss. In your view, is total on-farm sequestration being accurately measured and recognised in this country?
2: Yeah, well, it's probably, um, just to take a step back on that one, like it's like it's a bit of a timeline, right? Like um, in 2019, the government, they they put forward that intent to bring uh, agriculture into that and that sort of it had been kicked for touch for quite a long time around that, and um learning more and more about it because at that stage like <laughs> at the time i like looking at it happen and I was like what just happened I don't know enough about this so mm. after learning more about it um you sort of you could see that extreme gap between policy and reality mm. um like um reality of of what um emissions and, and climate change and around that and what the policy that those blunt mechanisms within the ETS at that time was actually trying to like what it, what it was trying to achieve but what it, what were the adverse outcomes around that and so um, on farm sequestration was a big part of that especially in this part of the world and um, in our example like we've um, over the past sort of I've been home on this farm for 12 years and mm. we sort of L- like to aim for about sort of probably six hundred to a thousand trees a year, and and that's not many compared to a lot of people, right? But mm, when mm. you plant a tree, when you plant a tree in a three hundred and fifty mile rainfall area, you yeah. actually have to roll out the pipe, you have to put in the wee trickle thing, and yeah. and turn the set up the water supply. Which hey, we're lucky enough to have through our local um, irrigation scheme. But um, and like if you take that back, but like, there is also um, previous to us coming home, my parents planted a lot of tree lanes and it was made easier when their ego schemes came through in the 80s. And even before that, my grandfather planted heaps of trees. And And we're um, in this really extreme climate where a lot of those um, trees, which are um, my, my grandfather's, um, they're actually still sequestering because they grow so slowly mm. in this climate that they actually, but if you look at what um, under the ETS, what, what happens in there is that um, everything pre nineteen ninety. Okay, that does it's gone on that, and all the reason we actually plant a lot of trees in this extreme climate is for shelter, mm-hmm. and it's not just for shelter for crops and all that. It's shelter for livestock, and so we're working on this sort of um, nature based approach to um, improving the farm system, and um, so most of them like are too narrow. And mm. they won't count in the ETS. So no, your answer is that like the answer like is it being accurately measured? No, it's not because you can look out the window and see hundreds of trees around um, the Toto, even wider than this farm, and they're all in these narrow tree lanes which won't be counted. And therefore, that leads into the issue around people look at like what happens with emissions, and you, do, you you're not getting recognition for what you're actually sequestering. Yeah. And so um with the ETS, like that was that direct tax on food production. Um it, but like um I came back, I actually went um, to Massey Uni and did the greenhouse gas course and mm-hmm. that was in 2019 and I sort of came back and like like thinking about what you do and I we could have got out and planted all those blocks, but we sort of like, oh, no, I'm sort of just going to take a practical approach, and we've sort of mixed it up a little bit and planted some blocks and planted some narrow tree lanes, and I was actually quite excited when um, the proposals for Hawaka Ekenoa actually recognised tree lanes because it made the common sense to a certain extent had prevailed. I mean, it's not perfect, but mm-hmm. we've got to get recognition for what we could see on farm and... Um, balanced out with all the emissions around livestock and nitrous oxide
0: yeah nothing's perfect but certainly there needs to be recognition and an attempt made to measure these things but in saying that there are a number of tools that actually can measure sequestration reasonably accurately. So why do you think the climate change commission has suggested that bringing on farm vegetation for example into a farm level emissions pricing system adds complexity when there are tools out there that measure just that?
2: Yeah, well, to their credit, like it is incredibly complex, like it really is like um um but the thing what they did is um they proposed that cross-ecosystem approach, which actually is more complex. <laughs> mm. And what it did then is it shifts the goalposts again. And so, mm. like, um, for example, what we've got here, like this year we've upped our tree planting to around um, 3,000 trees, um, which is going to be a bit of a push, but... Um, like, I've got them all stuck in my veggie garden and I'm, I'm sort of wondering where, like, I had a plan and when the Climate Commission came out with their recommendations, I sort of took a step back and thought we might just have to wait a tick here. So what that does is it it stops any movement forward. Mm. Um, like, climate change policy and any policy around environmental challenges is wicked, like they term it as a wicked problem, right, because, because it, it it almost defies solution and it's got this incredible scale and complexity and um, you're like, in that you're never going to, you're never going to quite solve it. And it like, but with the pace of change, it sort of requires you to step forward and it requires you to step forward into something that's like this probably this wicked shade of gray rather mm. than black and white. Like it's n- never going to be black and white. It's mm. never going to be perfect, but, but it's a marathon relay, not a sprint. Mm. Um, and we've, We've got to be able to move forward around that. And mm-hmm. like with with the um, the Hewake Kanoa proposals, it, it actually gives us a starting point. Like we can work with that. We can look out our window and see all these trees and these tree lanes and actually know that it means something and get some resonation around the why. The primary sector was given a deadline and like it was based on policy and speed of change and they were never ever going to get that down or something that was actually right down within what was it two and a bit years. Mm. Um but but yeah so it was it was just too complex. But like I think it's worth acknowledging that and, and when you are trying to move forward and for the climate change commission to say out and come it's too and say it's too complex it's like yeah you're right it is complex but um you can't solve an environmental challenge in two years you can mm. you can just get it sort of close enough so it allows people resonation with the wider move forward
0: the climate change commission also stated that bringing on farm vegetation into a farm level emissions pricing system could reduce the incentives for farmers to reduce their emissions for me, all that stuff is irrelevant. Whether it's going to reduce incentives or not, for me, it's actually about getting real numbers and accurate figures first as a starting point.
2: Yeah. So, like the the interesting thing about that one is that I don't think they've quite grasped how complex the situation is on ground. Like, there's no way. Um, There's no way that all our tree lanes are going to come anywhere near close to um, helping us offset our on farm emissions. Um, That's just not possible. But what you need to be able to do is look out the window and actually look at a tree lane and and understand that that actually counts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's that's really important. So, like, as Kiwis, like, we've... We pride ourselves in this number eight wide ethos and that unfailing sense that everyone should be given a fair go. And that's like a fair representation of our culture. Like when 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 you put policy in place, like the first thing New Zealanders will do, and, and you have seen it right. Like everyone just turned around and says, why, why are we doing this? And so you've got to understand that why. And I think the the people that are best placed to do that is those those of us on the ground that understand it, right? Like and um, I guess like for us, like one of the things that has been really challenging is I've been quite involved in setting up like a large catchment project in the past um, three, or four, three or four years. Yep. And um, with that, um, we live in the, in the Mania Taudo. It's an open tussock grassland and um, we're sort of 90,000 plants over five years and they're all tussocks and grasses.
1: Mm. And those
2: tussocks and grasses, um, they don't actually count but it does allow us to bring in some of the woody vegetation around the edges of that, and then you've got then you've got something that actually counts. And if that that is not there and it doesn't count, then that catchment group actually can't incentivise. Um, they can't incentivize those plantings because um, me as a farmer is going to turn around and say, "I don't want to spend money on that." Sorry, because I need to plant my pine trees. I need to plant my pine trees in a big, massive square so mm-hmm. I can um, continue continue to be viable for what I'm trying to do as a farmer. And like, mm. we're not saying, we're not saying that we want to um, like, let's talk about the incentives, like the biggest incentive we have is the fact that carbon farming is worth $86 a ton at the moment. And that completely blows out of the water sheep and beef farming, right? Like, um so at least if you can, um, if you can start looking at these nature-based solutions that, fit within when I mean they're not perfect but they still will work within there then you've actually got something to work with that doesn't incentivise you to blanket forestry so I think although they're well-meaning within that and what they're trying to do I don't think they're quite grasping how these extensive sheep and beef properties actually work
0: And you've touched on carbon farming. Do you think the ETS in its current form is working well? And what are your real thoughts on wholesale land use change into forestry for the sole purpose of carbon farming? Do you think that we can plant our way out of this?
2: So the only thing um, with the ETS and how well it works in its current form, like it works really well if you're an international company that really needs to offset their fossil fuel emissions, but... In terms of agriculture, like um, and we, we know this, right? It's well discussed, it's a direct tax on food production. And so what it does is it it, it takes away the tools and the toolbox that incentivize the right practice change. Mm. Um, and that's sort of around that that what I was talking about before. Like the mm-hmm. simplest thing, if we were if we were really economically driven, yeah, we would just go out and plant a big square of Trees on the farm, yeah. Um, but but it's not it's not about that, right? Um, mm. um, in terms of like the wholesale land use change, like to forestry, um, effective environmental policy changes behaviour or it drives that practice change in a way that is appropriate for the needs of rural communities. And we all know the history around forestry. Like forestry has its place. It's a really important part of what our of of our um of our country. Yep. But it but we've seen what it can do to rural communities. And at the at the moment that that economic drive it's not it's not appropriate for the needs of rural communities and it's not being recognised.
0: These areas will continue to be of interest for me in twenty twenty three. They are very important. And we need to get them right in order for farmers and the country to prosper. So that's all for me for 2022. Have a wonderful Christmas, everyone. Oh, and if you run into a farmer on your travels, give him or her a high five and tell them they're doing a good job because they are. Policymakers, as you take leave from your desk in the beehive, just think how the government's books would look with reduced export revenue. And think about being part of shaping policy that supports and strengthens New Zealand's primary industry for generations to come. And stop attempting to drag it down through virtue signalling and ludicrous ideology. Merry Christmas
2: and catch you next year.